This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hello, this is Richard Ingebretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Thank you for listening to our AWLS podcast series. We're always happy when you come in and listen to the medical aspects of uh, wilderness uh, medicine. Today we have a, a discussion on something that is uh, uh, relatively new in the world of wilderness medicine and is uh, just starting to be uh, addressed. And that is a, an entity known as uh, nature deficit disorder. Most people don't know what that is by, uh, at least have not studied it. However, just the very name of that uh, gives us an idea of what is going on. Basically, uh, there is this idea that we are indoors too much. Now, one thing uh, that we have to say before uh, we go on into this uh, nature deficit disorder is it's really not a disorder. It's not recognized in the medical community. Uh, It has not been studied uh, significantly uh, and uh, data published to allow uh, the uh, diagnosis of it and the treatment of it. But uh, it, it is a real uh, entity that needs to be addressed and looked at because there are uh, studies and there is data that uh, does uh, uh, deal with this. Uh, the term was originally coined by a researcher named Richard Love in a 2005 book that was published called The Last Child in the Wood. The, the assertion in there was th- uh, that this term was not to be considered a medical issue, but rather more uh, as an effect uh, as a result of what uh, he called modern uh, living. The alienation that many humans have from the natural world is creating uh, problems. It was a more or less a postulate and mainly dealt with uh, children, but also adults are spending less time in the outdoors Therefore, there is a higher rate of behavioral and mental issues that arise. Uh, it is known; uh, it is well known that people are spending less and less time outdoors, and uh, they spend far more time now in front of computer screens uh, during work and at school, and then come home and f- sit in front of a television screen for hours, or on their laptop, or on their uh, their uh, phone and uh, then they go to bed. Uh, most people are guilty of this in societies where, uh, where this ef- effect happens. There was a very interesting, if not frightening, statistic that came out uh, from the Nielsen uh, rating service that the, uh, very recently that the average American and European will devote 10 hours, uh, almost 11 hours each day, uh, looking at a screen. <clears throat> there is so much consumption of media that people don't even have time to look at what's around them. There were some studies done that, that showed that uh, young adults and teens uh, will recognize uh, a social media icon instantly but uh, cannot recognize a simple flower such as a rose or a honeysuckle uh, and, uh, or a, a tree such as a spruce. There is a large segment of our population that works behind desks uh, each day. And and when you think about the progression of what could be considered on an average day, there really is a lot of sitting down. 
Many people get out of bed, get ready to work, or get ready to go to school. Maybe they eat a little breakfast before their day starts. From that point, uh, they sit in a car or a bus and go to their office or school where they sit down again for much of the remaining workday. Uh, this type of behavior becomes exhausting, even though it doesn't provide the body with enough activity to maintain health. And then after school, uh, unless a student is involved with sports, uh, people are usually tired and sit down and uh, will then, as we said, look at a computer screen or will look at a TV before they uh, start going to bed. So uh, the contribution that these types of habits have to our health is astounding. Not all, only are, are people and students, young adults, teens, and children uh, being disconnect, disconnected from nature, uh, more than ever, it's almost as if we're disconnected from our own bodies because we barely use them anymore. Some people don't have a choice, and there isn't always an option to control your work environment to suit the physical needs uh, so that you can spend extra time out of the office. And so this is why uh, the, your time has to be used as widely as possible and try to recover uh, what is lost. What is also astounding is that if you go back through our uh, history, not only a recent history, as little as uh, 40 or 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200, and then on back to the dawn of time, human beings were outdoors. We evolved that way. We evolved to, uh, through time to hunt, to read the stars, to sleep outside, to listen to and study nature. But we don't do that anymore. Uh, our, our lives have been uh, changed by modern society so that we're able to live indoors and be very uh, productive that way. We have lost the interaction that we've had with nature, and uh, that is going to be a serious uh, problem. Only recently have we changed to spend most of our time inside. 75% of the uh, modern world uh, population lives in urban areas, limiting exposure to the natural environments that we are adapted to. Uh, not many years ago, I went on a river trip in uh, the state of Utah in the western United States. With us was a man who was a school teacher in New York. He had lived his entire life in the Bronx. He was born there. He was raised there. And only once or twice had he left the city, but even then to go to just a little bit less urban area. And now he decided to come with our group uh, to go down the uh, what, what is called the Colorado River in uh, Utah. This is a wide, uh, widely open space. Uh, it's very dark skies at night, and uh, the uh, red rock is just astounding. He was overwhelmed. Uh, at the end of the trip, he wrote a very nice letter and said that he had never seen the natural wor world before. He said he had never seen the Milky Way, although he had heard about it. He had never seen stars. He had seen one or two bright planets, he thought, in the Bronx, but had uh, never uh, seen the stars. He saw uh, an, uh, an eagle, and he saw fish, and he saw a river, and he saw rapids, things that he had only seen on TV. He said that it had changed his life. So uh, this is the kind of thing that can happen when you are urbanized, and it also can happen when you, uh, how you can change when you uh, uh, get uh, to go back outside and see the natural world.
It's also interesting to note in this young man that uh, went with us is that one of the reasons he had uh, avoided uh, going on a river or going out here was this the simple fear of the outdoors. He had lived his entire life in a, an apartment building and in a school where he taught and never had done anything that would be considered in the outdoor. So the nature deficit disorder, so-called, uh, has become associated with an increased fear and phobia of the outdoors and also with a decreased ability to cope with stress and, in some cases, decreased self-esteem and an increase in depression. All of these things are clearly better to limit when possible, which is why it's best to get back to nature if you can. Um, this, uh, the stimulation of seeing things uh, in an uncontrolled environment has, is known to be therapeutic and also relaxing. There have been a lot of studies recently that show how spending time in nature actually allows the human brain's prefrontal cortex of the brain to relax and seemingly rest a bit. The prefrontal cortex is the portion of the brain that is basically the command center, having a large impact on the conceptual thinking and attention. What nature deficit disorder is doing over time allows cognitive relaxation, which results in tiredness and in this thing that people are now calling uh, brain uh, fog. It doesn't have to be someone who is recovering from surgery or uh, suffering from dementia that needs nature's help uh, to recover. Every day we are exposed to different situations and stimuli that break us down physically and mentally. So the reason to draw attention to what nature deficit or disorder is doing to us so that we can understand how far-reaching effects it are, um, this is, uh, uh, becomes important. People who live within a half a mile of a green space are less likely to experience anxiety, heart problems, asthma, migraines, and other negative afflictions. What is rarely considered is how much the problem which arises in our minds affects our bodies. Anxiety has long uh, been a health problem with implications when examined through a clinical perspective. Probably the most uh, overwhelming problem that comes from being uh, out of nature and outside is stress. Uh, there is a large and very complex network that takes control when we are exposed to stress, uh, stressful situation. This network is known as the neuroendometabolic stress response, is one name that it's given. This response is directly related to what nature deficit disorder is and how it affects us. The primary stress hormone, hormone in the body is called cortisol, which is produced by the adrenal glands, which are on top of the kidneys. This is the direct catalyst which drives the physical response to stress. There is also a substantial response from the thyroid gland, which controls the speed at which the process takes place. Over time, these hormonal processes can become disrupted when the body is exposed to uh, you know, excessive stress and fatigue. This is usually caused by sedentary lifestyles and uh, what we're calling nature deficit disorder. Uh, so the question is, does nature def deficit disorder affect adrenal fatigue? And we know that during times of stress and, uh, and, and disconnection from the natural world, the body will eventually become so weary from combating stress and anxiety that it uh, will develop what's called adrenal fatigue. 
the adrenal glands just work overtime. And, uh, and being the workhorse of the stress response, they end up getting the worst of it when it comes to the demands placed on them. There can be many causes of adrenal fatigue, such as things like the lack of sleep, anxiety, chronic inflammation, and others. But nature deficit disorder has a huge effect on that as well. Because there's not enough time to let the brain relax and reset in an individual who is experiencing nature deficit disorder, they're at work all the time, they're at school, they're at stress, they're with people, there is a, a very high likelihood that it could cause the same person to fall into the same throes of adrenal fatigue. Studies are now being done to look at this. It all begins to tie together because some effects that you are feeling due to the disconnection with nature can also cause you to feel so poorly that you don't want to make any changes in order to return to this outdoor environment that uh, could help you. Once the negative cycle of adrenal fatigue takes hold, basically your body will begin to weaken immunologically, have high levels of inflammation, you feel lethargic, you get depressed. And this can tra uh, uh, do things like trigger more anxiety and stress because you can't get everything done that you're needed to do in the first place. This only serves to reinforce a pattern that will keep you down. Once stress lowers the ability of the body to fight back, it's easy to see how people succumb to the negativity and also to avoid reintroduction to the outdoors. Uh, it needs to be mentioned that there are many causes of adrenal fatigue. And just because you think it may be the lack of exposure to nature doesn't mean that that's the cause or that that may even be the case. Uh, issues may be broader than the one that we're bringing up. And if you think that you're suffering uh, from adrenal fatigue, it is important to contract a healthcare practitioner and ensure there isn't anything else going on. Ignoring problems with health can have consequences, but being aware and pro proactive is always a good thing. Lastly, you need to be sure to notice how your body is reacting to any changes that make it to be, uh, uh, be uh, better and have a more positive impact and they're acting safely and with the uh, proper guidelines of wellness. But part of that wellness and part of that is uh, going outside and re-experiencing and, and experiencing those things uh, which we evolved to do and to help that situation. So there is, a, there is a growing body of evidence and a very big school of thought that is emerging that going outside, even if it's just for a few minutes every day, will help with the stress response and uh, help us to focus and help us do better in our work, in our school, and our time with our families and with our friends. Uh, a great way to limit the effects of the stress response is to allow for time that is allotted specifically for outdoor relaxation. Now, this can be difficult for some who like to uh, be on the move, who are always at work, and who are always at school and have great demands. However, it is well known that a, a stroll in the local park or a walk through the woods can do a great deal to ease a person's mind and decrease the stress response. There's a lot of physiologic reasons for this that have been studied over time, but it's a well-known fact that walking or jogging or hiking or going outside, playing with your dog, walking with your friends or being alone will help with this. When you uh, can relieve the burden on your brain, uh, that continued direct attention causes you will allow for a reset of these uh, processes. This is why the old adage of take a walk or go play outside have a lot of ring of truth to them. It is genuinely relaxing to be outside. Um, there is, the, and in the psychological journals, there's a lot of data that's a, that supports that. Once you embrace this time to relax outside, your cortisol levels can naturally turn to normal and begin to drop down to a 
a very good response, which will ease the burden on the adrenal glands as they won't have to produce as heavily. These things can lower your blood pr uh, pressure. They can help with inflammation levels and even improve your absorption in the gut. This will allow you to feel more refreshed and boost energy levels. A common complaint of those suffering from adrenal fatigue is that they are continually exhausted and drained. Anything you do to limit these types of issues should be welcomed with open arms uh, and uh, know how difficult it is to perform under uh, oppressive circumstances. Now, I know that a lot of people say, uh, I believe this. I understand that uh, my kids, my family, I'm not, my friends aren't, my coworkers, my colleagues in school aren't uh, getting outside, and I know that we all need to get outside. But what if I can't get outside? And the fact of the matter is some people won't be able to spend much time outside, even if they have access to the outdoors. F say, for example, you live in a large city or you have a difficult schedule. All of these things can lead to uh, nature deficit disorder. And the causes of this where people become depressed and stressed because they're uh, trapped indoors and, and unable to get out, uh, is it's not clear exactly what uh, is the problem, but uh, many, many researchers have looked at this, and they've really not been able to assess the causes of nature deficit disorder, even though it is it is well known. And this is something that you need to keep an eye on and look at as nature deficit disorder uh, evolves and more data becomes out on it. Richard Loeb, who uh, wrote the original uh, article on this, has proposed several, and one was that uh, parents keep their children indoors to keep them safe from danger. And this uh, this stranger danger, uh, which has been heavily fueled by a lot of reasons, may keep people indoors, um, and maybe rightfully so, uh, but this could be a problem. There has been studies that were done between 1960 and 1980 with surveying mothers that asked about how much time they spent in nature as a children. And most of those mothers, uh, when questioned, uh, spent much more time outdoors than their, they let their children go outdoors because of this very effect. Another reason is there's sort of a loss of natural surroundings in a child's neighborhood and city. Many parks and nature preserves have restricted access or do not walk on the trail signs. Uh, uh, environmental and educators add to the restrictions telling children to look and don't touch. When they're protecting the natural environment, uh, the cost of protection on our children's relationship with nature uh, profoundly shapes the uh, ecocultural identities. The idea that there's a stronger effect on children is, is uh, get, becoming more profound. Uh, nature deficit disorder is unrecognized uh, by the medical institutions of the world, but some preliminary research shows how, something that's very profound, and that is that the lack of time outdoors has negative effects, particularly on children's mental well-being. Uh, most research relating to nature deficit disorder ideas does not specifically mention it by name, though studies on the impact of natural environments, particularly the concept of what we're calling urban green space on mental and physical well-being, often show supporting claims to this. A uh, study uh, on Italian undergraduate students showed how mental fatigue can be improved quicker in natural environments compared to urban ones. Uh, a United Kingdom survey was professionally analyzed 
to show the effects of exposure to green space has on primary school children. It has found that more exposure helps increase self-esteem in young children. And uh, a big study that was done in the Netherlands recently uh, showed a correlation to an increase in various mental and physical health issues, and they found less disease clusters in areas where there were more green space. So this podcast does not... uh, we don't specifically want to make this a recognized medical disorder, no. Uh, nor do we have uh, the idea that it can be solved just as easily as just walking outside. But there is a very strong and powerful growing school of thought that as we spend less time outdoors, uh, especially in children, that the negative effects are becoming more profound. There are a variety of aspects that can be used to answer the question of what nature uh, deficit disorder is. But there is a common thread that is important to note, and that is that we need nature, no matter how you incorporate it into your life. It is a very good idea to get more of it uh, and the more of it that you can manage, whether it's through houseplants, if you cannot get outside, putting houseplants in your house, walks outside, runs outside, jogs outside, hikes with your family, playing with the dog or your animals outside, or even spending more time near a window with a view, uh, the idea is that you should take more time to become aware of how much exposure to nature you are getting, getting into the sun, getting into the rain, being surrounded by mountains, and by the, the smells of flowers and bushes, and the sounds of nature will improve our mental uh, fatigue. The lack of natural contact may not be what you're experiencing, so you may need to uh, dig a bit deeper to discover what is causing uh, depression, anxiety, adrenal fatigue. But without uh, much argument, going outside and experiencing nature has uh, very positive effects. And while your particular illness or that of your children may require more, there is very little doubt that nature deficit disorder, this effect that we're starting to see by spending more time indoors and in front of a TV set, on our phones, and in front of a computer screen, is having a deleterious effect. Do what you can uh, to get outside, whatever that means. And remember the story that I told you earlier about the, the, the uh, school teacher from the Bronx who in his entire 30-year life had never been outside on any kind of a trip whose life was forever changed by seeing the natural world. Well, this ends this podcast on this entity that we're calling the Nature Deficit Disorder. And as always, we say thank you for listening.